Lord, we ask that you would speak to us out of the Bible. Help us to hear your voice, even in those times when you seem silent. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm guessing that almost all of you have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life at some point, right? It's pretty much on every day this time of the year. And it's about a man named George Bailey, as you know. He's played by Jimmy Stewart, who wants to get out of the small town that he was raised in. Only he gets stuck there his whole life working at a building and loan bank. And the crisis point comes when he's bankrupted because his Uncle Billy loses a large sum of money. And it looks like George might have embezzled it, and so George might have to go to jail. All because of Uncle Billy. How many of you think that Uncle Billy should have gone to jail in that movie? I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just have issues. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, that Uncle Billy. And there's a scene where Jimmy Stewart goes to a bar after all this, and he starts to pray, and he says, Lord, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and you can hear me, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. And you remember what happens next? Out of the blue, a man came, comes up, hits Jimmy Stewart in the face, knocks him to the floor, and when Jimmy Stewart gets up, he goes, I guess that's what I get for praying. You ever feel that way? That your prayers are just not being heard or answered? God's not listening to you, much less talking to you? That he's indifferent to your problems, and no matter how much you ask him for his help, he is just silent? Maybe it's a relationship problem, a health issue, a financial crisis. Maybe you feel lonely. And you ask God for help, and it just feels like he is silent and indifferent to your pain. This Advent, we are talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And last week, we looked at the very beginning of Mary's story, where God promises her that all generations will call her blessed because she's going to be the mother of Jesus. Well, today we're going to fast forward 33 years, skip over all the middle, toward the end of Mary's story, where she is at the foot of the cross and she has to watch her special gift from God, her son, die on a cross. And you've got to wonder what she was thinking about that day. I mean, she'd gone through so much already, given birth in a barn, having to flee to Egypt as refugees, all on God's promise that this was going to be a blessing. But now she has to watch her son die. And she must have been saying to God, is this what you meant 33 years ago when you said that I was going to be blessed? Because i got to be honest with you, God, I'm not seeing the blessing right now. Where are you? This cannot be what you meant. And do you ever feel that way? That God's not helping you, that he just seems silent. Now, it needs to be said that often when God seems silent, it's because we're not listening, right? We've got the phone unplugged. Or like my wife, we never recharge the phone, so they never work when you have to get a hold of her, right? But I digress and show my issues. We don't take the time to pray. We don't take the time to read the Bible. We don't go to worship. And, well, no wonder God seems silent. We're not listening. And sometimes we don't want to hear what he has to say because we might not like it. And so we fill our lives with a lot of busyness, sort of as a way of saying, la, 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 la I'm not listening. But beyond that, there are other times where God seems silent for a whole host of reasons. And I think that Mary's experience at the foot of the cross 
gives us some answers to the question, where is God when he seems silent? And the first thing that Mary's story teaches us is that God's seeming silence doesn't necessarily mean we've done something wrong. It's a normal part of living in a fallen world. Can you name me one person in the Bible who did not go through some period of suffering or of feeling God's silence? One person. All of them did. So if God seems silent to you, rejoice. You're in good company. People in the Bible felt that way too. In fact, if anyone should have been exempt from suffering and God's silence, you think it would be Mary, right? If Jesus was going to spare anyone that, don't you think it would have been his mom? And yet there she is, suffering. And I think that this is very hard for us to understand because as American Christians, I think we tend to believe that we have this inalienable right to a problem-free life, right? Like, isn't that in the Constitution somewhere? Isn't that what we celebrate on the 4th of July, my right to be happy? And I think we especially feel that way if we have been trying to follow God. We feel like, as Christians, we should have just no problems. When I was studying to be a pastor, I worked one summer as a chaplain in a hospital. And the very first patient I visited, the very first one, died while I was there. Not a great way to start your career, right? Here comes Reverend Death, right? Well, the next day, the second patient I visited, as soon as I walked into his room, he yelled profanities at me and told me to get out of his room. I can only assume that he heard what happened to the first patient. I... <laughs> and I was so mad at God. I mean, I remember praying, you know, why is this so hard? I mean, I, I'm studying to be a pastor. I'm doing this for you, God, right? Why don't you help? As Teresa of Avila once said, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few of them. But Jesus never promised that life would be easy. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's one of the things I like about Jesus. He's realistic. He doesn't say you're not going to have any problems. He says, part of living in a fallen world is you're going to have problems until we get to heaven. Right? And that's not Jesus' fault. That's our fault for making it a fallen world. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. And even when I seem silent, I am still there building a relationship with you. In fact, I think that's one of the ways that God uses tough times for good, is that he uses them to draw us closer to him. God's seeming silence is a normal part of living in a fallen world. But that's not very comforting, so let me move on. I think the other thing we learn from Mary's story is that even when God seems silent, he is still providing for us even if we can't see it at the time. In this story, it says that when Jesus was on the cross, he saw his mother. Now, that's an amazing statement. Here Jesus is, dying one of the most painful deaths ever invented, and he sees his mother. You know, I think sometimes it feels that God doesn't even notice us, not even paying attention to us. But God always sees us. And more than that, he's always right beside us in our suffering. That's what makes the God revealed in Jesus unique. That in Jesus, God, the one being in the universe who did not have to suffer, chose to. So he could know what we go through. Only Jesus does that. But not only that, Jesus also provides for us in times of suffering. On the cross, Jesus takes time to say to his disciple, here's my mom, take care of her. 
So that even in this time when God seems completely silent to Mary, he is there suffering with her and providing for her in her time of need. She just can't see it at the time. Which brings me to a third bit of hope that we can take from Mary's story. And that is that when God seems silent, we can hear him through community, through each other. When Jesus tells his disciple to take care of Mary and Mary to take care of the disciple, what he's doing there is he's putting them in community. Because sometimes we need each other to hear God. I know that when I can't hear God, that's when I most need Christian friends to point him out to me and help me see what he's doing in my life. That's one of the reasons we always encourage you to be in a small group or get involved in some way. So that you can be known. So that when you go through a tough time, we can be a community and help each other see God when he seems silent. And if you're going through a tough time right now, I want to just encourage you to let someone in the church know so we can help you. When God seems silent, it's a normal part of living in a fallen world. He is still providing for us even if we can't see it. We can hear him through community. And finally, the last thing Mary's story tells us is that when God seems silent, It is always because he is doing something bigger and better than we can perceive at the time. Just like there are are sounds that dogs can hear but human beings can't because they're at a frequency that's too high. Just like that, I think whenever God seems silent, he is always doing something bigger than we can pick up on, than we can perceive at the time. In this story, Jesus is doing more than just dying. He is paying the penalty for every sin that was ever sinned so that we could be reconciled to God. And he's going to be raised from the dead in three days and transform all of that sin and suffering and evil into hope. He's doing something much bigger. It's just that Mary couldn't perceive it at the time. He's not silent. He's just doing something bigger than we can perceive. Fourteen years ago, my sister married a great guy who had been divorced from his first wife and he had custody of his, of his little four-year-old son from his, from his first marriage. Well, about the same time that they got married, the little boy's mom started living with her new boyfriend who was a child molester. And he ended up molesting this little four-year-old boy during one of the boy's visits to his mom. And eventually it all came out because the boyfriend confessed it all to his counselor. So my sister and her husband wanted to put some restrictions in place to make sure that the little boy was never around the mom's boyfriend again. Now, you would have thought that the mom would have wanted the same thing, but she didn't. She fought it at every turn in the courts and just drug it out. Then she started to accuse my sister and her husband of all kinds of things, of being bad parents and seeking revenge and all kinds of stuff. And then every time they'd reach an agreement on how to handle the visitations to keep the boyfriend away, they'd they'd kind of reach an agreement only to have the mom back out at the last minute and take it all the way back to court. This went on for almost three years. Three years of legal hell. Three years for my sister and her husband of thinking that it was going to be over only to be disappointed again and again and again. And I remember during those three years having some painful conversations with my sister where she'd be angry, she'd be crying, and she'd say, where's God? Why isn't he helping? Well, that was, that was a long time ago, and this week I called my sister because I wanted to ask her permission to tell this story because I needed a sermon illustration. She very kindly gave it to me, enthusiastically. And I asked her, I said, so where was God 
in that for you because you certainly didn't see it at the time. And before I could even finish my sentence, my sister interrupted me and she said, God was everywhere. He was everywhere. She said, at the time I was frustrated with his silence, but I just couldn't see what he was doing. He said, she said, God was there. He didn't cause this to happen. He didn't want this to happen. God never causes suffering. But when it happened, he was there suffering with us. And more than that, he was providing for us. And he brought good out of all of it, as he always does. My sister said that there was one day when she and her husband were in church and they were just, they cried through the whole service because this was so difficult for them. And, but that was the day, she said, that we finally fully gave it to God. They went out afterwards and prayed and they just, they said, God, this is bigger than, than us. We can't handle it. And this, she said, we finally fully gave it to God. And she said, and God came through. She said, the fact that it took so long to get a settlement actually turned out to be God's blessing. Because all of those, all that legal, legal wrangling forced study after study after study. And what those studies revealed was new details about the boyfriend and his behavior that nobody knew about. And when all of those details came out, the final settlement was much more restrictive on the mom and her boyfriend than my sister and her husband were asking for. My sister said, God wasn't silent. She said, God didn't let all of those early agreements happen because they were too lenient. We weren't asking for enough. God wanted to protect us even more than we did. My sister said he led us on a convoluted path, but his plan was better. We just couldn't see it at the time. Now the little boy's grown up. He's in college. He's a great kid. Even though he doesn't remember the incident because he was too young, he he does know about it, and that has given him a, a lot of compassion. He wants to be a counselor to help other people. And because the final settlement was so restrictive, the little boy ended up seeing his mother less, which meant that my sister and her husband were the primary influence on him, which was a way healthier environment. And it meant that he was raised in a Christian home. And he knows Christ. In fact, when he was in counseling to learn how to deal with all of this, he asked his first counselor if she believed in God. And she said, well, I'm I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And he went home and he said to my sister, what kind of answer is that? I mean... You're either with Christ or you're not. So, so he fired the first counselor and got a real one. <laughs> and God brought blessings out of it for the whole family. My sister and her husband went on to have three more kids. And you know, often in a blended family where you have kids from two different marriages, that can be kind of tough, but not for, for this family. And my sister says a lot of that is because of this incident. Because for starters, they had to put Christ first in their family. They had no choice. But also it left no doubt in anyone's mind that my sister loved this little boy just as much as her own biological children. Which can sometimes be unclear in step-parent-stepchild relationships. But because what you sacrifice for is what you love. And because my sister had to make so many sacrifices for this little boy, she came to love him very, very deeply. But perhaps the best thing that came out of it was what it did for my sister. She said to me, you know, I entered my marriage at a very selfish stage in my life. And she said, if you knew me in my 20s, you never would have guessed that I would have been able to go through something like this. I was shallow. All I wanted to do was have fun. I was just too into me. I was just too selfish back then. And as her older brother, I can verify that. (laughs) And she said, but this forced me to grow up and get unselfish. And I had to find Christ again. I had been too far away from him for too long. But I knew I couldn't handle this on my own, so I had to go back to him. And she said, all of that is God. None of that's about me. 
At the end of the conversation, I asked my sister, is there anything else that you think I should tell my congregation? And she said, tell them that God is never silent. God is never silent. She said, I have come to know that when he seems silent, it is always because he has something better in mind than my plan. She said, I've been there, and I know what he does with heartache, and it's amazing. She said, when I look at this boy and see the depth of love I have for him, this child that I did not give birth to, but that my heart cannot distinguish from my other kids, she said, it's amazing. And that all of that heartache could be turned into so much love, she said, that is the most important thing in my life. It started so awful, and now it's just the opposite. And now I know that God's ultimate plan for me must be patience. That's why he takes so long with everything. I've got to learn to wait. And as her brother who shares her genetic makeup, I can relate to that last comment. God was not silent. Although at the time it seemed that he was to me and my sister and my family. But he was there. He didn't cause it. He never causes suffering. But when it happened, he was there. Providing for my sister and her family. Giving them good lawyers, good counselors. And he put them in a community in their church so other people could help them see God in their lives. And even though he seemed silent, it was just because he was doing something bigger than any of us could see at the time, delaying a final settlement so all the facts could come out, growing my sister up and helping her to find him again, and giving her a strength of character that I admire very deeply in her. But most importantly, God was calling my sister and her husband back to himself when they'd wandered away from him. And that is what is going on in that story of Mary at the foot of the cross. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God was so silent in that moment that not even the Son of God could hear him. But actually, God wasn't silent at all, was he? Because in that same moment, God was thundering out his hope, paying the price for all the sins so that we could be reconciled to him and keeping ancient promises that he had made to us thousands of years before to redeem us from our sin. God wasn't silent at all. He was shouting out his redemption of the world, but at a frequency that no human ear could hear nor human eye could see. So where does God seem silent to you? And this week, will you pray for eyes to be able to see him and ears to be able to hear him and see what he's doing in your life? And will you patiently wait for God to reveal his ultimately better plan one step at a time? That's what Mary did. She didn't give up. She didn't run away like all the other disciples did. She stuck with Jesus, even through his seeming silence, saying, I believe that even here, even now, you must have a plan. And what she discovered when Jesus was raised from the dead three days later was that he did have a plan, that God is never silent, and that Jesus had absorbed the worst that evil could do and shown that with him suffering is never the last word, resurrection and redemption is. There's a song by a Christian singer named Ginny Owens, and I think it makes a great prayer for people who are going through a time when God seems silent. And just as we close, I'd invite you to listen to these words and maybe offer them to God as a prayer. Let's pray. The pathway's broken, and the signs are unclear, and I don't know the reason why you brought me here. But just because you love me the way that you do, I'm going to walk through the valley if you want me to. Because I'm not who I was when I took my first steps and I'm clinging to the promise that you're not through with me yet. So if all of these trials bring me closer to you, 
well, then I'll go through the fire if you want me to. And it may not be the way that I would have chosen when you lead me through a world that's not my home, but you never said it would be easy. You only said I'd never go alone. So when the whole world turns against me and I'm all by myself and I can't hear you answer my cries for help, I'll remember the suffering your love put you through and I will go through the valley if you want me to. I will walk through the valley with you. Amen.